At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. Because that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. From fresh berries to fresh tomatoes, we know the farm is where it all grows. From their farms to your forks, working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum in this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 11 p.m. Eastern until 3 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, iHeartRadio, and other broadcast affiliates and program providers around the world. If you'd like to uh, send me an email, exxon at com on all social media sites, TV, our radio website, com, and for all the programming information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Alexander Tanus. He's uh, an active musician, educator, composer, and an ethnomusicologist. He holds a Bachelor of Music with a double major in music theory and composition and a Master of Arts degree in music education from Columbia University Teachers College. As a recipient of the Mellon Fellowship, he also earned a Master of Arts and a Master of Philosophy degrees in ethnomusicology from Columbia University, where he was enrolled in a Ph.D. program. He has taught various music courses at the same institution. He works, uh, the works of Alexandre Tanus are frequently performed in the United States, Europe, and Asia. The world premiere performance of his orchestral composition, Metaphorise, is that how you pronounce that? Metamorphose. Metamorphose, under his baton at the Carnegie Hall in 1995, received a standing ovation. As a film composer, he has composed two film scores, The Seventh Dog in 2005 and Jim in 2009. Joining us now is Alexandra Tanus. And Alexandra, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you. Good to have you. So uh, you're originally from Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And when was it you decided that music is going to be your life? Oh, when I was a kid. And that idea grew little by little. But of course, like, 
most of us, we have doubts. We think that it's mm-hmm. just going to be a serious hobby. And uh, eventually, I went to university and I studied it and didn't know how to get out of <laughs> university. It took 12 years. Um, I did four degrees, uh, as you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, modulated to a different area, which is what I do now researching sound, the therapeutic and the esoteric properties of sound and how sound impacts consciousness. When did you start researching sound meditation? Uh, About 13 years ago. um, After having studied music, certain aspects of music, uh, Mm -hmm. performance, uh, theory, composition, music education, ethnomusicology, and having performed a lot and composed contemporary classical music, conducted... uh, I started doing fieldwork as an ethnomusicologist and then I started studying uh, non-Western musical cultures. And this is where uh, I became interested in the difference between these musical systems. Mm -hmm. Um, And I became interested in uh, sound and how sound has been used in a variety of different ways than we now do in the West. And I started doing fieldwork. Eventually, I did fieldwork in over 40 countries. So what Um, what is music... Uh, music <clears throat> ethnology. Um, ethnomusicology is a study of music. It's almost like um, calling it anthropology of music. So basically the ultimate goal of an ethnomusicologist is to understand music um, and the behavior mm-hmm. around music. So understanding it as a sociocultural phenomenon. And the ultimate goal is to understand the human being by studying culture through music. Very interesting. Please stand by. You and I have to take our first commercial break. Exonation, our guest this hour, Alexandra Thanos. We're going to be talking about sound meditation and the effect of sound on each and every one. We know that music, you know, tames the beast. And in many cases, you've seen going to concerts, what music does to a crowd. All this and more as the Exxon continues here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send us an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And don't forget, if you'd like to listen to some of the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on our network. That's the Exxon Broadcast Network. That's just one of them. www.xzbn.net. We'll both be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. founder-president of a new cancer foundation 
focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, everyone. Alexandra Thanos is our special guest. And uh, we're going to be talking about sound meditation. But first of all, Alexandra, maybe you can take us back in history. And when was the very first recorded moment in history that music was identified? Hmm. Um, well, it's a mystery. We don't know why humans are interested in music and what's the origin of it. Um, is it a biological need? Is it necessary for the expansion of our consciousness? Where did it come from? Did it come from us or from the environment around us? There are various speculations. Mm -hmm. Some ethnomusicologists believe that um, the human got this idea from observing animals, especially birds and bird song. Some believe that it came from motherhood, mother talking to a baby you know when we when we're around little things in general not just babies even kittens and little dogs we start to speak with a high-pitched voice and you know mumbling certain words that are incomprehensible that's an automatic response yeah. so we don't know really why we make music but we know it's necessary for human consciousness uh take for example um how widely used music is mm -hmm. in all religious experiences, spiritual experiences and shamanic ceremonies and indigenous settings, whether for healing, trance, spirituality. So it's definitely a very useful and necessary tool and medium. So what are the, some of the therapeutic properties of sound? Like, for example, how does it work? Uh, we know some things about how sound works. I've been doing a lot of scientific studies, mm -hmm. uh, mostly EEG studies, electroencephalography, which measures uh, the various levels of electricity in the brain and heart rate variability. 
we still need a lot of research. Sound is a very enigmatic and powerful tool. But what I was able to uh, demonstrate so far is there are many benefits. Some of them are sound can help quieting the mind. This is an important uh, matter here mm -hmm. because we're so busy and stressed out these days. It enabled uh, participants to uh, disengage their undesirable habitual patterns, whether they're emotional, intellectual, or physical. It can empower positive and cognitive change. And um, it, it helps people quitting antidepressants and managing depression. Um, it diminishes considerably anxiety and panic attacks, allow people to access and release traumas. It brings the self into a state of inner peace and calmness, helps the person establish a state of resonance and attunement with the self. It's also good in couple therapy. It fine-tunes self-observation. So there are a wide range of different uh, benefits. Um, but I believe that the more know about how sound can be used. Mm -hmm. And many people believe that it's the medicine of the future. Uh, this is what Edgar Cayce and he said, the 20th century prophet. Um, and we see a lot of um, achievements and a lot of scientific and uh, medical discoveries of what sound can do. But here, we have to be exact and say ultrasound that is very high frequency that goes well beyond the threshold range. So I'm talking about uh, above 100,000 hertz. The threshold of a human hearing goes from hertz to 20 kilohertz or 20,000 hertz. Um, music, I agree. It's you know, like when I get home at night, I enjoy putting on some nice classical music. It makes me feel mm -hmm. good. I just relax with it before before I mm -hmm. head off to bed because you know it's most of my days are rather stressed out, and it just seems to put me in that different modality where I can actually key down. Uh, we've mm -hmm. seen what happens at rock concerts when you get that boom, boom, boom of the bass. Everybody gets involved. And, yeah. You know, and uh, certainly, like you were saying, in religious uh, ceremonies, music has mm -hmm. been uh, from day one. And we've seen a certain change of music over the years, but it still mm -hmm. is is the best conveyance of a message going. Tell me about your... your um, your sound meditation. So I call it sound meditation. This is something that people give various names, such as sound healing, mm -hmm. sound baths, uh, gong baths, vibrational healing, and so on and so forth. Um, I honestly have a problem with a lot of these terms because they don't mean much and they're disempowering to the receiver. I like to call it something that is descriptive, a sound therapy or sound meditation because it engages the person in the experience, and that's the most important part. When we call uh, this experience sound healing, it's kind of deceiving. Uh, many people don't know how sound healing happens, whether the practitioner, which is a better name than a healer, yes. is the one healing people with sound, or whether sound is healing people, uh, but it disengages the person from what they need to do, and that's the most important part, which is engaging the person in an active participation. It is a collaboration between the practitioner and the receiver. So when we use a term such as sound meditation, that automatically indicates that the receiver is going to do something, which is the most important part, getting the mind out of the way, using sound as a tool. There is no magic. We are our own healers. Similarly, with, mm -hmm. with healer, for example, uh, people who work with various modalities, whether Reiki and various energy uh, practices and modalities and meditation and sound, they call themselves healers. Uh, we need to correct these terms. You're right. I agree uh, with they're you. They're healing facilitators. So uh, we've changed the meaning of the word mm -hmm. and all of a sudden started to mean something else. Uh, there's a big difference between a healer and a healing facilitator. I agree with you 100% that that a lot of these new age terms are, mis, are, are misused. Exactly. And there are reasons because 
people are not careful with the words they use and there are consequences mm -hmm. when we use specific words when they don't really um, signify something that we're trying to communicate. So I, I like to raise awareness and use terms like sound therapy, sound meditations, and they're not terms that I coined myself. I just use them because they're appropriate and they're empowering to the individual. I also talk to people in the beginning of the experience. I tell them what they need to do while I'm doing my work, how to listen, how to use sound as a tool, how to get their mind out of the way, I explain why I'm doing what I'm doing to engage them in experience because I want them to feel self-empowered at the end. And that's part of the healing. So how do you prepare the listener? So basically, I use instruments uh, that have always been used in sound therapy, whether in old days or contemporary days. Mm -hmm. And these instruments are called overtone emitting instruments. I'll explain that later. Such as gongs, Himalayan singing bowls. Yeah. Uh, discs, bells, overtone singing, didgeridoos, and so on and so forth. So um, I um, I explain to the participant or mm -hmm. participants uh, why I'm using these instruments, uh, what do they do, what is their role, what are the overtones. And overtones are these various frequencies that we hear when we play a gong or singing bowls. And these are various frequencies that are found in sound, except most of the time, we don't hear them in, in sounds that we're listening to, but they have a very important role. These frequencies that we call the overtones or harmonics um, give any sound that we're listening to its tone, color, or tab. And that's how people can differentiate your voice from my voice or the sound of a flute from the sound of a viola or violin, mm -hmm. same pitch being compared. So these frequencies are tiny, but most of the time they're overshadowed by the fundamental tone, and we don't think that they're there, but they're actually there. When we play these specific instruments that I stated earlier, we start to hear these frequencies. When we hear them, we are actually hearing the true mathematics of nature, the blueprint of sound that nature gave us that we call the harmonic series, which is, believe it or not, the most enigmatic thing and the most esoteric thing ever. This is basically the word in the Bible. In the beginning, there was a word, and the yes. word was with God. The concept of logos. Uh, this is the primordial om or aum that started yes. the universe. This is music of the spheres. This is akasha or spanda. This is this is um, the creator of reality. Now, I can't tell you how exactly, but this is what um, is at the, at the core of all philosophies, Eastern philosophies and religions. Sound is the creator of reality. So how, yeah, um, I, there are certain instruments, like like the bells you were talking about, the, the bowls, mm -hmm. that when you hear them, they grab your attention and there's something very different about them. Exactly. <clears throat> See, they resonate with yes. us. We feel something automatically, yeah. even if the person has never heard them in, upon first hearing in just 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. They feel a certain poise inside of them, certain equanimity. A connection. The connection, something as if something snapped back into yep. grid, quieting of the mind. So that's the power of sound. You are listening to the blueprint of sound that nature gave us, which is um, very complex mathematics. Sound is math that we're listening to. Sound is mathematical ratios. And that's why it's power. And all intelligences in nature manifest in various mathematical systems. I could give you a few examples. Please. For example, fract fractal geometry, Fibonacci series. Uh, if people are not familiar with fractal geometry, it's better to Google it and, and look at examples because it's hard to explain. Um, Fibonacci series, um, the significance of phi or the golden mean, the golden ratio, which is 1.618, to infinity, pi, the harmonic series is the most enigmatic one, and that's really what gives music its power. And as you said earlier, when you go home, you listen to music, because what it's doing is actually distracting you from yourself. It's allowing you to snap out of the, the habitual unhealthy baseline, any stress. It allows you to recalibrate, rejuvenate, to... Uh, uh, revitalize your senses and it's it's doing a job as you're listening to it on your brainwave cycles, heart rate variability, the, your autonomic nervous system, your vagus nerve. So it's affecting you in more ways than once. People can 
check uh, a lot of these things on my website because I can talk about it for many hours. I'm trying to be succinct here. Right. So, so, but when we listen to singing bowl, we listen to these various frequencies. People, not all the time they hear numerous frequencies. They might hear them all as one sound. That's because of the state of resonance that they're found in. There's a certain gravitational pull between all of them that makes them seem like one. But there are actually various frequencies that have different uh, highs and lows. We call that actual frequency. And they have different amplitude, which is softness and loudness. And each one has a different modulation. It's this wobbling or wavering, the pulsation that they have. And when one contemplates them, focuses on them, one automatically goes into a deep meditative state, transcendental state. And that's why we use them in sound therapy. It's fascinating. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are certain instruments that, that just resonate with you. Yeah. And it's, you know, like you were saying, you can feel the very music touching your soul. Exactly. And, and that is a wonderful Because experience. it's built in with us. That's yeah. the other incomprehensible thing. This ratio is actually encoded in us. We are designed to vibrate sympathetically with these instruments. And I'm not being a new age here. I'm being very precise. Yeah. There have been several scientific studies on how our microtubules, microtubules are tiny, tiny microscopic conveyor belts that are found in the cytoplasm area, which is uh, the area between the nucleus of cells and neurons and the ectoplasm. And they're tiny filaments that we call microtubules that vibrate sympathetically with non-equal tempered sound or right. just intonation. Right. Alexandra, please stand by. We have to take our break. Sure. Exonation, Alexandra Tanous is our very special guest this hour, and we'll both be back on the other side talking more about music here in the Exxon. Don't go away. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. 
If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Nation, we're talking about music and sound meditation this hour here in the X-Zone. Our special guest is Alexandra Tanus, and his website is alexandratanus.com. I'm sorry, actually, it's uh, soulmeditation.com. I apologize. So- soundmeditation.com. I'll get it right yet. Soundmeditation.com. Um, so tell me, how did ancient musical systems have built you know, how could they have built with all this awareness? They they had next to no scientific, you know, expertise or mathematical expertise, and yet they came up with this wonderful system. How? Yeah. Intuition and a lot of hard work. And uh, because sound is so important for consciousness, um, we actually have an inner compass within us that guides us in the process. Uh, We need intention Mm -hmm. and intuition and imagination. And that's basically what has been the driving force for for humanity in general, and especially in sound. If you think, for example, the complexity of Indian classical music or ancient musical cultures that continue to exist, Indian classical music is one of them. We can also mention classical Arabic music, Persian, Turkish. Um, Western music is fairly recent, believe it or not, because harmony as we know it <clears throat> developed in the West in the 11th and 12th centuries. That's not so long ago. But something like Indian classical music, if you immerse yourself in, in the study of this musical system, you realize that it's so different from Western classical music. And um, it gets to a point where you realize that this is not just music, it's technology for maintenance of uh, spirituality, for the expansion of consciousness, for therapy, and not just a medium for entertainment. But uh, it is very important for humans to explore music. And because, you know, when you would listen to music in in church or in holy places, um, music does not make us feel elated. Music actually takes us into the God within us. Um, as a form of ethos. There's something very important in music, which is called ethos. And when you listen to a piece of music, that piece of music moves you and evokes Mm -hmm. emotions within you. You are tapping into the ethos of music. Ethos is a word from ancient Greek. We don't have an exact translation to it in, in English, so we use it. It's used in English, which translates best as the describing character, the personality, the emotional state that uh, poetry or music can put you into, that would the ethos be. So um, intuition and uh, hard work drives us to, to manifest these systems and we fine-tune them over centuries. And uh, that's basically what we do. We, we have what we need within us. We just need to tap into it. Tell, tell me about the detriment of the equal temperament. The equal temperament is something that's very complex, but I'll summarize it in in few sentences. Sure. Basically, um, the octave in the West 
octave is the distance between one tone and the doubling of its frequency. So you can take, for example, Do and another Do octave higher Do. And this octave higher Do will be 12 half steps apart. Uh, so do re mi fa sol la si do 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 that's an octave for people who don't know what an octave is mm -hmm. so let's say the low do is 100 hertz the higher one would be the doubling of the frequency then it would be 200 hertz and you can go higher and higher or lower so basically in the west this distance is divided into 12 semitones or 12 half steps a half step is the difference, uh, the distance between the white key on the piano and the adjacent black key. Um, not all octaves in the world are equal to 12 half steps. The Indian octave is 22 tones. The Arabic and Persian octaves are 24 tones. The Turkish is 53 tones. So you have a lot of notes between the black and white keys on the piano. These are tones that you cannot play them on most Western instruments. Uh, the frets on the guitar divide the neck into different half steps. Whereas on violin, violas, cellos, and basses, you can play notes between notes. So basically, the equal temperament quantized these 12 half steps, made them all equidistant, and that changed the mathematics of nature. So we now play in equal temperament, which made every half step 100 cents. A cent is a unit for logarithmic measurement. And the entire octave is 1,200 cents as acousticians who are physicists specialized in sound and, and study of sound and vibration. So non-Western cultures did not adopt the equal temperament. The equal temperament gave us some advantages, which is the capacity to uh, tune a piano into one tuning and be able to play in all keys and transpose into all keys. Uh, but it distorted the mathematics of nature. And that's why ancient musical cultures that have been around did not adopt the equal temperament because we don't have any more states of trance and states of ecstasy and euphoria and, and enchantment. So how does sound interact with reality and our consciousness? It tempers reality. That's why sound and music is powerful. Reality is made of mathematics, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or sure. not. And this is why physicists who are at the frontier of understanding reality and, and the universe, uh, they only use mathematics, whether they're quantum physicists, theoretical physicists, experimental physicists, and all sorts of physicists. They use mathematical formulae to uh, explain um, a lot in very little. Take, for example, the theory of relativity, E equals mc squared, Einstein's theory. It, you know, there's so much packed in it, and it's a centimeter long. This is all mathematics. And the theory of everything, which is what Stephen Hawking, uh, Hawking has been looking for and, and trying to understand, is the theory that explains everything in the universe. Well, there is the harmonics. There is the harmonic series, which, is, which takes us back to the primordial ohm, the, the, the word, the logos, which is what Kabbalah is about. It's the ancient quantum physics that we are rediscovering right now. So sound has a deeply esoteric side. I can recommend a couple of books for people to uh, read. One of them is Nada Brahma, The World is Sound. Mm -hmm. Another one is uh, The Musical Structures in Plato's Dialogues. We're realizing now that all of Plato's work is all about sound. It's encoded in his writing. He couldn't tell people blatantly that the universe is made of sound and, and mathematical ratios and not ruled by the gods of Olympus and Zeus, <laughs> uh, they would have killed him, uh, or at least put him in jail like they did with his teacher, Socrates. He was put in jail uh, and forced to drink poison, commit suicide. Mm. Why? Because he was sowing impiety in the mind of young students, telling them about the truth. Why? Because he and Plato, his student, were Pythagoreans. And Pythagoras uh, was into understanding what sound does to consciousness and the connection between mathematical ratios, harmonics, the universe, uh, human consciousness, and sacred geometry. He didn't just study geometry. He was known for the um, Pythagorean theor uh, theorem, but theorem. he didn't discover it. The Babylonians knew about it seven centuries before him. 
So why is it important, in your opinion, that we take a mathematical and scientific look at music now instead of just sitting back and enjoying it? Uh, because we as human beings love to understand things. And um, that's part of what we need to do to understand what is reality about. Why are we in a human experience? Uh, what are we supposed to when we are here? Where do we come from? Where do we go when we, get, when we die? Mm -hmm. These are all, I would consider to be, you know, most important questions. So we create systems that would help us understand more and more things. Think, for example, you know, all the efforts we put into uh, uh, discovering electricity. And then once we've discovered electricity, all the things that happened, uh, I can mention, you know, the, the microprocessor and what that allowed us to do and the invention of computer and the Internet. And the Internet made us connect to each other to learn more about each other and to learn about all the things that exist and we didn't know they existed. But when we know them... Everything is different. But we also have a pitfall that we as human beings, sometimes we rush into conclusions and we love to uh, scream, I found it, I found it. And <laughs> most of the time we, we say this sentence a little too early. So that makes us conjure up explanations for things that we don't fully understand. Let's talk about um, the sound and the use of sound in shamanism. Shamanism, to me, having done a lot of um, field work in shamanic societies and trying to understand why sound is an important uh, thing to include in an experience, whether the experience is with uh, plant teachers or entheogens, psychedelics, uh, or, or, you know, they're given different names. They all mean the same thing. Well, no, they mean different things, but they all are the same. Um, or not. And shamans use a lot of plants, various forms of plants. So sound has an essential uh, element in it. And it's not always what shamans tell you. We have to understand, to really understand things. We need to know so much about so many different things. And shamans in ancient societies knew a lot about various things, especially plants. But they didn't know about Eastern philosophies and, and uh, phenomenology and hermetics and uh, Gnosticism and so on and so forth. So it's important to take a multidisciplinary mm -hmm. approach to understand why we as human beings use these two tools, compounds, which are found in plants, they're chemicals, and sound. To me, shamanism is all about these two very important ingredients to hack understand and expand consciousness in all of this there is the healing and the revealing so we use these two things these two very powerful tools compounds and and sound with very good attention to set and setting the setting is you know the safety of the surrounding and the set is the mindset which is the intentions attention will and awareness and uh, because they don't fully understand what's happening, then they, they create different cosmologies, different models where spirits are involved. And spirit is another nebulous word. And this is coming from someone who is spiritual. But most <laughs> of the time people, people think of spirit as being a disembodied soul or disembodied energy all the time. Well, that's one of 25 different things. Yeah. If you look up the word spirit in a dictionary, you have 25 different definitions. Most of the time spirit is something inside of us. When you um, listen to a piece of music and you feel different spirit, that spirit is inside of you. You're being moved emotionally. When you smell copal or palo santo or sage, that spirit is not outside of us. It's how it makes us feel inside. It's the various emotional state, the grounding that we feel inside, the feeling of elation, the feeling of safety, the inspiration. So people use word spirit flippantly and they use it interchangeably. You know, that's a practice that humans in general do this, not just contemporary humans. So if we're interested in shamanism, we really need to take, um, we need to spend some time in, in trying to figure out what are the ancients trying to communicate and falling short. All right, stand by, please. You and I have to take our final break. Exxon Nation, Alexander Tanus is our special guest. www.soundmeditation.com. That's soundmeditation.com is his website. 
And we'll both be back wrapping up this hour here in the Exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net.
Alex, on that, as we all know, the shamans use, like you were describing, different plants that have different purposes. So would it be, would it be safe to say that shamanism is 50% music, 50% plant? More or less. Um, it varies, yes. Take, for example, the Shipibo shamans. Shipibo is uh, one of the tribes in uh, the Amazon that uses ayahuasca yeah. as the sacrament. Uh, they tell you that uh, without the Icaro, you cannot do the magic with ayahuasca. Icaro is, uh, the, or Icaros are the uh, ayahuasca songs that they use in the experience. So they believe that sound works through the psychedelics. And that's something that I can confirm as well. It's sound that does the work through the plant teachers because um, if you think of it this way, no shamanic ceremony happens without sound, some form of sound, singing or instrumental or combination of both. But there are many people who work only with sound. Take, for example, the various forms of Sufism that we found mm -hmm. in the world or sound therapy or sound meditation. People call this sound healing. So you can work with sound by itself. But every time, you know, their tribe is doing mushroom ceremony, ayahuasca ceremony, iboga ceremony, San Pedro, or peyote, and all of these sacraments that ancients use, there's always song. There's always playing music. So maybe that mathematics, the mathematics that we have in sound, the most enigmatic mathematical ratio, is actually uh, tempering realities, allowing things to snap back into grid, allowing us to tap into consonance, into signal, and letting go of, of uh, dissonance or noise. But is it also possible that the reasons why the ancients put so much into music is that they really had no idea about the strength of the psychedelic drugs that they were using, and they were accrediting the, the out-of-body experiences and the, and the voyages and the walkabouts that they were on to the music instead of actually where it belongs, and that's with the drug. Yeah, well, they, you know, they have various ways of talking about them. It's true, they didn't know a lot about neuroscience and biochemistry mm -hmm. and what happens in the brain and right. the heart and the entire body and, and the receptors and the nature of consciousness. You know, you know, now a lot of scientists are starting to agree that consciousness is non-local. Consciousness is not made in the brain. We tap into it. It's outside of the brain, that term non-local it means this, that it's not in, in our brain. We tap into it. The brain is a transducer, a transceiver of consciousness. And consciousness is in, in form of um, morphogenetic resonance, to use uh, Rupert Cheldrick's term. So I, I do agree with that. And, and, and these receptors that we have launch us into different states of being. Take, for example, when you wake up and drink coffee, mm -hmm. your biochemistry changed you are different because you have caffeine now in your receptors if we go have a glass of wine then we feel different so we run on chemicals and naturally every chemical that we take into our body legal or illegal is going to do something is going to change and alter consciousness so the ancients didn't understand this so well they credited to spirits why because they're animist societies they believe that everything is alive which in a way they are um, correct, but I have a different understanding of uh, this aliveness. I tend to see it more from you know the standpoint of uh, let's say the the, the, the Buddhist mind, mm -hmm. the entire universe that you and I perceive is the universe, is the mind, it's not the brain, not to be confused with the brain. So this is our scope onto reality, on the universe, and we are everything in that universe. We are consciousness having an experience and learning about ourselves. We are still in a developmental stage that we don't realize that we are all. So do you subscribe to the, to the concept that we are actually living or, or existing in a holographic exper experiment? I do, yes, I do. <clears throat> and uh, more and more people, even Elon, Elon Musk <laughs> believes in that, and many other cosmologists, that uh, we seem to be uh, living in some sort of simulation, matrix, a uh, holographic universe, a projection of some sort. And um, 
that's something I can talk a lot about. Um, so to be succinct, you know, we are discovering so much about what reality is made of. Well, how are we, we making these discoveries? By, by discovering what reality is made of. And how, how do we discover that? Like, you know, it's nice to say that quantum physics this, quantum mechanics that, but when it comes to the reality and the existence of the proof and evidence, there's very little to substantiate these claims. Yes, uh, but we're discovering more and more, and we're not always aware of everything that is being discovered. You have to keep in mind that governments keep a lot to themselves, and especially for military advancement and whatnot. What we know is we basically governments and military are at least 30 years ahead. So... Uh, basically, we are programmed to discover what reality is, and that's what we've been doing. And we use systems that come from the systems from which we come from. I'll give you an example. The Internet, for example, is existing in nature. That's called mycelium. If you grab a bunch of dirt, earth, you know, mm -hmm. and you grab dirt and you find these tiny filaments in the dirt. This is mycelium. Mycelium is Earth's internet. It senses through the mycelium where there's a dead bird, where there's a dead animal, where there's a fallen tree or pollution, and it, and it senses every weakness. And it sends various fungi to break things down and bring back the nutrients. There's a great talk by Paul Stamets. It's the most viewed TED talk. It's called um, Six Ways of How Mushrooms Can Heal the World, I believe, in how, for example, fungi and their intelligence, how they break down every pollutant. So we're dealing with a level of intelligence that's found in nature that's well beyond our comprehension. But because we are part of nature, we are part of Gaia, this concept of Gaia that is now being called various names, Pachamama, Gaia, the divine feminine, the ancients called it Eon Sophia or divine wisdoms, mm -hmm. the ancient Greeks and the Gnostics. We are part of this organism. And and we there's there has been an agenda separating us from this organism, separating us from nature, even killing nature. And that came with patriarchal society. So this wasn't around with matriarchal society. There was a great connection between people and Gaia, Pachamama. And uh, this was during the mystery schools, paganism. And, uh, and it was about getting to know our relationship to Earth and using systems, uh, you know, intuitively that would help us explain who we are, why we are here, and so on and so forth. And we use mathematical systems for example, we discovered fractal geometry, Benoit Mandelbrot in the 60s discovered fractal geometry. Because of fractal geometry, which is geometry, self-similarity, you know, kind of mathematics, we were able to create the CGI that we see in films, computer-generated imagery. What do these allow us to do? Simulate reality. That, so we're getting hints of what reality is made of because we can simulate it now. We're now tempering with, with, the, with the craziest thing, artificial intelligence. Uh, personally, and, I think that we're going way too far with our artificial exactly. intelligence. Yeah. And it's people like Elon Musk, Musk who, are, who are behind it because they don't want to part with what they have. So they're trying to create life forever. Yes. That's, um, that's, you know, it's a lack of understanding. People, unfortunately, when they know a lot, they start to think that they know most important things. Exactly, yes. And we don't know what we don't know. So it's very important to make room for what we still don't know yet. And this is something that uh, Zoroastrianism talked a lot about, uh, the, the, the philosophy of Zoroaster, which existed about 8,000 years ago in Persia, modern-day Iran. People can look it up. Yeah. The concept, uh, the Ahriman concept, A-H-R-I-M-A-N, which Rudolf Steiner talked a lot about. This is now the Ahriman stage we were going through which is the merger of the human with the machine and that's quite detrimental we need to proceed with caution. most extreme caution because we can mess up things on on the universal level even what we're doing in in uh, at cern mm -hmm. the large hadron collider we are tempering with the fabric of the universe we're playing God. Even, even, even Stephen Hawking yeah. Yeah, said that we are playing God. Not only that, but these people believe that God doesn't exist yet and we are to become God. Wow. So the scientists are becoming the new priesthoods, basically. 
the science are and, becoming and, the scientists are becoming humanity's worst enemy. Yes, and this is the cockiness that human can get to because of ignorance that is achieved with extreme education and a lack of awareness that there's still a lot that we don't know. So we start to play God mm -hmm. and we start to temper with the fabric of the universe and we become devoid of spirituality. But believe it or not, science now deals a lot with the occult. One would think that it's the opposite end of the occult, but it's something that I'm not going to talk about right now because I can spend the next 10 hours talking about. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back on to talk about that because our time is nearly up. Alexandra, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. It has been my great pleasure having you here with us, and I would love to have you back on to talk more about this fascinating subject. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, you take care of yourself, my new friend. And Exonation, if you'd like to contact or if you'd like to find out more about this fascinating young gentleman, www.soundmeditation.com. That's www.soundmeditation.com. I've said this many times, Exonation. Science is the hidden enemy that hides right in front of us. We'll be mm -hmm. back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Mm -hmm.